It's time for Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. Brought to you by Rikus Baird. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business with Rikus Baird. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show topic is focused on a CEO's perspective on aligning a business strategy with a brand strategy. Today's guest is Brett Wood, recently named President and CEO of Toyota Material Handling North America. Brett has served in many capacities during his 22-year career with Toyota, including Vice President of Marketing, Dealer Development, Product Development, Strategic Planning, and Training Operations, all of which makes a very interesting perspective on the role branding has to play in business success. Brett, welcome to Branding Business. Thank you for having me. Well, Brett, initially with a background in engineering, uh, you've had many executive positions at Toyota, including product development and strategic planning, marketing, and now, congratulations, president and CEO. Maybe you can give us an overview of how your view of brand has changed during that time. As an engineer, I was very involved with the product and focused on product quality. Toyota's quality product is a core component of our brand. However, I've learned that our brand is much more than than just that, more than just the product and and the quality of our product. The face of our brand is is not products alone, but the people and the services that make up the entire brand experience. For example, when a customer buys a Toyota forklift, the salesperson is in the front line, or, or when a mechanic or technician is performing routine maintenance on a product, then the service technician becomes the face of Toyota. So in any scenario, you know, these interactions have to embody our, our brand. That's why we've invested a lot in training. Uh, for example, it's such an important focus that I've also helped develop our national training and customer center in Columbus, Indiana. And in the last six or seven years or so, we've trained more than 28,000 Toyota people, both at the training center and regionally. So it's, uh, it's a very important part of our DNA to uh, make sure that everyone who's involved in the Toyota process uh, understands the importance of our brand. Well, it's clearly you do. Uh, as you point out, uh, many people think branding is so associated with marketing. Of course, marketing is the uh, group that kind of carries the brand forward and a lot of the messaging. But as you point out, you have many people that are involved in really the true delivery of a brand promise. And uh, it's helpful. Do you think the entire organization understands it in that perce- perception, or do you still have to do a lot of work to get people to understand uh, how a brand is actually perceived and delivered? No, I think everyone throughout the organization uh, understands, especially the importance uh, of a brand name like Toyota. There's a lot of responsibility with that. So we always emphasize that in, in our employee communication sessions uh, and also in our training sessions where we're training our associates on various skills, but also our dealers, too. Even the Toyota dealers uh, represent the, the brand and, uh, and know the importance. And, and if they forget it, we definitely remind them as much as we can. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Brett, um, you mentioned forklifts being your primary product, but maybe you can give our listeners a little bit of an overview of the type of products that are included within Toyota Material Handling North America. Sure. Uh, TMHNA, or Toyota Material Handling North America, we, we manufacture and sell 
material handling industrial equipment. It, it's a B2B business. Uh, majority of our products include forklifts, forklifts of all types, uh, with small electric powered, where you walk behind them, going to, or you ride on them, or including a man-up type of order pickers people may have seen in, uh, like, Home Depot type of stores. And we also manufacture and sell uh, internal combustion-powered or engine-powered forklifts of all sizes, powered by gas and LPG, diesel, uh, CNG also. And uh, more recently, we also sell forklifts that are powered by fuel cells. And uh, essentially the range is from 3,000 to over 50,000-pound type of capacity. Toyota also produces uh, tow tractors, tow tractors that are commonly found at airports, moving bags around at airports. Uh, Other product lines include aerial work platforms like boom lifts and scissor lifts. And uh, more recently, one of our newest products are AGVs, or Automatic Guided Vehicles. These are uh, small products that are move products uh, from point A to B without an operator. It uh, seems to be an interesting trend in North America uh, to get more productivity out of their work environment uh, with this uh, highly advanced or technical type of product that's um, uh, very efficient and uh, moving a, a product or, or parts, for example, uh, from, from one point to another. Well, Brett, Toyota is, of course, world famous for its automotive brand, and you oversee a company that was originally part of that automotive group but now for over 10 years, it's been independent, with a majority of its products made in the U.S. So is there a common philosophy from headquarters in Japan that the, that the forklift brand should have similar attributes as the automotive brand? Yes, absolutely. So Toyota values and philosophies run very deep in, in every Toyota company. That's why you'll see, for example, the Toyota production system principles, such as continuous improvement, uh, reduction of waste, are all embraced throughout the Toyota organizations. And Toyota is well known for quality, durability, reliability, and safety. That's the DNA of Toyota, what we call our, our DNA. And whether it's a Toyota car or a forklift, you know, these are same, same attributes apply uh, throughout, throughout the product range. And, and that reputation is, is born from the product. Uh, now I'm back putting my engineer hat back on for a minute. Uh, but much like the automotive side, if you look at, for example, used classified ads for used forklifts, uh, you'll find that Toyota holds their v- resale value very, very well. It le- leads the industry as far as resale value. And so that's a similar attributes that you find between automotive, Toyota automobiles and also Toyota forklifts. And it's a testament to the longevity and, and the DNA that I spoke about earlier um, for example, we have three factories that build forklifts in North America. They're, they're, they're very similar to the automotive factories in, in their quality um, aspects and, and their uh, attention to detail. Um, and then our dealer network that provides the product and is the face of our brand sometimes also have similar attributes. There's over 250 dealers that sell the Toyota material handling products throughout North America and and they're a very important aspect of the, of the brand of Toyota because they're truly the ones facing the customer on a day-to-day basis. Um, and in the case of a forklift, uh, compared to a, a car especially, it's very important to look at the overall cost of ownership, not just the initial 
cost, but the, uh, the, the true value of the product over the life of the product. So forklifts could last more than 10 years very easily um, if they're maintained properly. And uh, usually a, a Toyota forklift uh, will, will give a customer very good value. In fact, in independent research that was done for the first time last year in 2011, Toyota forklifts were found to have the lowest cost of ownership compared to all the, all the competitors. And Toyota forklifts and even genuine parts from Toyota consistently are number one in several surveys when it comes to overall value. And, uh, and I think we find that um, over the years is very true also with Toyota Automobile. So there's a, there's a lot in common, um, even though we are separate organizations. Well, from a brand perspective, it, it com- makes complete sense that uh, the brand association carries down throughout the Toyota family, as you mentioned, the values and philosophies and, and applies globally. And, uh, and there are so many different attributes that you can actually carry forward. So how have you leveraged the positive association and awareness of the Toyota automotive brand to your benefit? Yes, we are definitely very thankful for the brand we represent and realize its value, like I mentioned earlier, and the responsibility that comes with it. And as you stated, Toyota is world famous for the automotive brand, and our challenge has been to make Toyota world famous in the business world for our material handling brand. And I should state that Toyota has now been the number one selling forklift in North America for 10 years running. Toyota also is on track to be the number one selling forklift worldwide for a decade. So that definitely helps with our branding initiatives. Um, and these accomplishments would not have been possible without though, our brand equity. Uh, and early on, we did leverage the association with the automotive side. You know, we built campaigns that stated Toyota's leadership position in both industries. Uh, for example, we had one campaign that was presenting America's number one selling car, which was the Camry presented by America's number one selling lift truck, Toyota's lift truck. Or we would show our, a lift truck in an automotive setting, like a forklift driving down a, a windy road, giving the tagline of, you'll be tempted uh, even to take your forklift out on a windy road. You, it drives so nice like a car that uh, you'd be tempted to take it out like, like an automobile. So we, we definitely had some fun with some of the um, tie-ins, and that helped with our with our branding image early on, even when we were not number one. You know, your, your notoriety of your brand can sometimes not be positive, too. Uh, with the recent uh, issues on the Toyota automotive side, it, it tends to be a balancing act sometimes. Uh, for example, Toyota's automotive brand had its challenges with the claims of unintended acceleration that have since been discredited by scientific studies. But during that time, rather than leverage the brand, we had to focus on defending the brand and focusing on Toyota's exclusive and industry-leading forklift safety technology that uh, we would bring to our customers' attention to show how safe our products uh, were uh, during some of those challenging times with, our, with the brand image. You're right. You have to evaluate and look at all the different options you have available, and uh, I think you're able to manage your way through that tough time quite well. And just to clarify, in all transparency, we, we have had the good fortune of working with you and helping you gain that number one position in market share, being out long-standing companies such as Heister, Yale, and Crown. 
and you've been able to maintain that same uh, America's best-selling lift truck for over 10 years now, and, and as you mentioned, uh, the world's best-selling forklift as well. Yet at the same time, just like you were mentioning the challenges associated with any type of issues with the automotive side, people within your industry have commented on how gutsy it was for you to claim that number one position, considering that, who knows, someday you might lose it. Can you give us, uh, listeners, a viewpoint on the, the thought process on making that claim? Sure. You know, Ryan, you're right. It was a bold move for Toyota and somewhat counterintuitive to our corporate culture. And part of Toyota's production system principles I mentioned earlier is Kaizen, or continuous improvement. And as such, we are always striving to improve and uh, not just enjoying, perhaps, our, our leadership position. So it was bold, to, as you mentioned, to um, think outside the box. And thanks to, uh, to, to your pushing and prodding us, we... Um, we're pleased that we did that. You know, even when hitting that leadership position back in 2002, we celebrated quietly at first, but quickly turned our sights to widening the gap between us and the next competitor, you know, rather than dwelling on that achievement. And, and as I mentioned, chest pounding is not our norm. So to come out with a campaign asserting our leadership position, you know, we definitely needed a little pushing, uh, thanks to Rikas Baird. And and now, although we continue to focus on Kaizen, we are proud of our leadership position and, and gladly promote it and, and the attributes that make us number one. You know, of those listeners who, who aren't number one with their products or, or their services uh, across all categories, or, you know, research could provide a good proof of leadership in some key areas. For example, we focused on continuing our brand initiatives mainly through PR and research studies. Uh, one of the research studies that, that uh, we felt like Toyota would do well in was in safety. So uh, as an example, we, um, we worked with different independent agencies to study everybody's forklifts and determine you know, which ones had, had the best safety attributes and felt like that was a, a good initiative on our part um, and also might be something, uh, like I mentioned, your readers and listeners might be interested in hearing about. Uh, if they're not number one in sales, maybe there's a certain key category that, uh, that might be worth uh, investigating and then uh, and promote that as much as possible. Very good point. Well, Brett, I remember having those strategic discussions around making that claim, and, and certainly I remember that we felt that the Toyota DNA and the process that you go through, the values of philosophy, certainly should allow you to continue to make that same claim and, and carry that same leadership forward. And, and as well, I remember also talking about not just being a marketing campaign, but rather an opportunity to create an additional internal pride and commitment. And those same components that you mentioned earlier of making sure that everyone down into manufacturing uh, had that same philosophy and that same vision and were able to continue that same level of commitment to make sure that you kept that number one position and continued to deliver upon it. It's great to see that still alive today and, uh, you know, 10 years later. Yeah, it's alive and well, Ryan, and um, so much so that uh, if, I don't want to think about if, we, if, we're, never, if we're not number one, <laughs> because every time we meet with our associates and the communication is the key, we uh, we emphasize that fact and, and the importance of it and and never to rest on your on your laurels and to always 
try to improve and, and widen that gap between uh, you and your competitors. Well, Brett, I'm going to shift gears here now into another question, another kind of uh, train of thought, in that sure. you mentioned your, uh, your dealer network and uh, how good of a partnership you have there and how that has been part of the success of uh, Toyota in North America. And I would imagine there are many other uh, listeners who have similar systems, uh, companies who operate within their own dealer network. And what we often hear is that they as well face the challenge of clarifying the question of who is the customer? Is it the dealer or is it the end user? Now, of course, both are extremely important, and, and yet it's helpful to develop some sort of philosophy on how you prioritize these and maybe other audiences. How, how do you go about that? It's going to be a, a simple answer for me because both are our customers. We, we sell directly to large uh, customers, like not, we call them large national accounts. But at the same time, uh, over 80% of our business is sold through our dealers, our, our dealer network. So uh, in branding, we then focus on creating awareness and, and preference with the forklift purchaser. And, and that, that's an important uh, aspect. Um, we also do a lot of training with our dealers. But in the end, uh, when, when we talk about our branding and our messaging, we try to look at it from from the eyes of, of the forklift purchaser, and and um, maybe true with many of your listeners, depending on their products. But then the key is who is the key decision maker at the customer? Is it the uh, financial people? Is it a factory person? Uh, is it even a, the operator itself who has an influence over that customer decision making process? So uh, it's very important to, to really get, get into their mind and their eyes and, and, and make that message and, and that branding type of message um, really ring a bell with the people who are saying, you know, I, I think we need to purchase a Toyota forklift this year instead of a competitor model. Um, at the same time, we then share that messaging and all our support materials with our dealer network and to carry those messages directly to the customers on a local level. So it's, uh, it's very important to tie that in from a corporate level, uh, the messaging we might do with advertising and, and even in our PR efforts. But at the same time, you, you've got the local level with the dealers, and you want consistent uh, messaging. So we give them a lot of tools, a lot of templates, to make sure that we have that, uh, that consistent message. That's an effective system, and I think you hit on the key word there is consistency. So whether it's messaging coming out of corporate or tools that you give dealers to communicate or how the dealers deliver the, the service, it's all in that consistent manner. So that's just a, a critical component. In a related manner, uh, our research tells us that after developing hundreds of brands, there are two things that employees typically desire in helping them fulfilled their role in moving an organization forward. These two things are, are typically a clear understanding of the company's future direction, number one, and then secondly, regular communication from the executives. How do you go about this as CEO and President of Toyota Material Handling North America? You know, Ryan, I couldn't agree with you more on the, the top two things employees desire. Uh, they want to know about the company's future, and, and they want to hear communication from, from the leaders. 
So, you know, we learned the importance of open communication, especially during the recession. Um, I can't emphasize enough how more and more communication really got us through the challenging times. And, and even if it wasn't good news to share with the employees, just, uh, just being able to communicate openly and honestly uh, gained a lot of confidence with our, throughout our company with our staff. So, so we are completely transparent with our profits and at times our, our lack of profits. You know, we shared the pain and the reality of the situation so that associates would fully understand the need, if we had to, to cut costs. Uh, we, we hold quarterly and, when needed, additionally all-employee meetings, so at least four times per year. Myself and uh, some other executives are delivering important messages to our associates, giving them updates and, and what to expect uh, in the future also. Uh, frequent emails, of course, is, is another uh, form of correspondence. And then uh, back to uh, the word we used earlier, Ryan, being consistent in our messaging. Uh, there's nothing worse than um, sending out a message maybe at the first quarter, and then in the third quarter you've got a different type of message. So, so uh, I think it's very important to be consistent um, with your, whether they're in emails or communication sessions, um, keeping that message at the same, and then continuing that transparency in, in the good and the bad times. Um, so we've continued that transparency about our uh, spending and expenses and, and our profit picture. And uh, the open-door policy is, is something very important uh, for me and at Toyota, uh, so much so that I did start a program recently. It's called uh, Lunch with the President. And it uh, got the idea from my father. He was an executive at Kodak, and he was asked to start up a factory in Mexico many, many years ago. And uh, he felt like there were some communication challenges that he was going through, so he, uh, he invited the Kodak workers to have, share some tacos with him and, uh, and just talk openly. And uh, he said that really strengthened the communication. So... So I've uh, invited our associates to have lunch with me anytime they want, and we can talk about the company future, uh, their department, their individual role, um, what I see as far as the company direction. Uh, We can talk casually about friends and children and babies and soccer and football and sports, and it's uh, it's been a real nice opportunity for uh, employees to to, uh, have have a few minutes to, to not be in a formal setting or a meeting, and, uh, and, and get comfortable, too, about the, about the future. And by the way, we did just uh, complete our long-term strategic plan, and we're calling it Vision 2020. And uh, I think it's a, an important element of this communication that, that you mentioned because it was developed with some executive uh, leadership, but at the same time, it included a lot of employee input, bottom up and top down, and we ended up with a Vision 2020 plan that from now on, every communication session, I'm going to share more information about the Vision 2020 and uh, where we are with our goals and if it needs to be adjusted to reach our goals. And uh, I think the associates will uh, really enjoy being part of that process as we, as we go out even uh, seven or eight years from now. Well, Brett, that's a pretty uh, impressive overview of uh, your commitment towards both sharing the vision as well as communicating both the long-term and short-term 
components of achieving that vision. And I think most, what we're finding is that most companies have a hard time seeing out more than just a few years. So the ability to identify a vision for 2020 is pretty impressive. And then also to utilize that vision in all of your communications and so that people are aligned with that and you're really developing this cultural approach towards delivering that vision is, is pretty darn impressive. So, uh, so well done. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's been a fun process, but, and it, it's, it's probably been about a six-month type of process. So it's not something that you don't just come up with overnight for sure, but, but it's uh, with a lot of meetings, a lot of sessions uh, where, where there's no limits to people's thinking. Matter of fact, that's our theme for this year. We come up with a theme for every year, and our theme this year is called No Limits. And, and we want people to think outside the box. And uh, where do they see the future of our, of our brand, of our products? How, how will forklifts be sold in, in the year 2020 compared to how they are today? And what, what will be the competitive landscape? Questions like that. Um, you, you really get some good input when you start asking your, your key people those types of questions. Well, Brett, I really appreciate your time and your insights today. Uh, I have one final question. And uh, considering all your different roles uh, throughout the organization, as it relates to the brand and the responsibility of the brand, who is, it, who is ultimately responsible? Is it the CEO, the marketing executives, or the executive team? Ryan, everyone represents the brand. It might, might sound like a, uh, an easy answer, but, but I, re- I truly mean that. Every department, every employee, even the dealership employees all represent the brand Everyone, for me, is, is the face of Toyota. And, and I think a, a final thought, too, from me would be tying into that, that you know, every action that you take or make is a reflection of your company and your brand. Whether you're an executive or you're out in the field, you're in sales or you're in service, you, know, you, you could be at a customer or at a trade show, you could be attending a conference. You could be in an elevator. You know, just always choose your words and actions carefully because uh, uh, every aspect of, of those scenarios, uh, I feel you're always representing the brand of your company. And um, even though someone might say it, but you're, you're never really off the record. <laughs> if, you ever, <laughs> if you ever get, get that, uh, can we go off the record for a minute? I always say yes, but I always realize that uh, uh, you, whatever whatever we're saying is still representing the brand of our company. And like I said, it doesn't matter your role in the company. Um, if, if you can keep everyone on that same image and same messaging, no matter what circumstance they're in, uh, th- then I think you'll be very successful. Brett, well said. Good counsel. Well, Brett, thank you for being a guest on Branding Business. Any final thoughts or insights to share with our listeners before we close? No, that was it, actually. Just uh, no matter who you are and where you are, just remember that you're representing the brand of, of your company, and, and uh, I think that's, uh, that, that'll uh, keep you successful for, for the future. And I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed talking uh, with you, Ryan, and, and about this topic. As you can tell, we, we believe it's very important, and... Uh, and, uh, and your company does an excellent job in, uh, in raising that awareness uh, to, to companies about how important it is to, 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 uh, to manage your brand properly. Appreciate that, Brett. We enjoyed the opportunity to work with you in the past, and uh, best of luck in the future. If our listeners have any questions for you, 
what would be the best best ways that they could reach you? Uh, email would be great at brett.wood at tmhna.com. That's B-R-E-T-T dot wood at tmhna.com. Thank you so much, Brett. Well, that concludes our show for today. This is Ryan Rikus, and you've been listening to another edition of Branding Business with Rikus Baird. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, visit brandingbusiness.com. Please share your comments so we can all benefit from the discussion and the varying viewpoints. Until our next show, stay focused. You've been listening to Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. To hear more, simply visit our website, brandingbusiness.com, or tune in next week to learn how you, too, can build your brand and move your business forward. Brought to you by Rikus Baird.